Hello, and welcome to the Schooner Pod. This is the first episode of something we're trying out uh, called the Coach oh. Composites, uh, where we basically take a look at each era of uh, just a bunch of OU head coaches. And you know what? Let's start with the most recent one, the 22nd head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Lincoln Riley, uh, who served at OU from uh, 2017 to 2021, as you all obviously know. Um, had a good record. Brought OU to uh, three Nash or college uh, college football playoffs. Uh, no no wins, no victories. A um, lot, of, but and left obviously where we all consider him uh, to be, as people have called him, the bitch out west. But we're not here to harp on him. We're not here to rip on him all the way. We're here to give an honest complete summary of what happened um in what were ultimately some really exciting times at OU you know we're gonna what we're gonna do we're gonna talk about you know some of the best games some of the worst games best players sneaky good players and uh, you know maybe take a little trip down the you know what ifs um so I'm your host Bobby Howard with me today we got Jameson we got Ty and uh yeah so first things first before we really dive into this Jameson all things considered, we're we're gonna I'm gonna ask this question, you know, really for all of these uh, coaches going forward. Did Lincoln Riley leave OU in a better spot than when he entered it? Ugh. Um. Yes, I think he did. Um, and because of, and I don't know how much it was of him. Obviously, his offense had a great impact on us, but I think the clout that the back-to-back Heisman brought of Baker and Kyler was huge for our reputation. You know, we were, um, you know, we're a blue blood team, but we're not a tier A team in college football right now. But even though we weren't succeeding in the playoffs with him, that clout and that recruiting pitch put us in the news and gave us a lot of legitimacy. So I think that is huge for our future moving forward, just to be able to say, Look how many Heisman winners we've had in the past, and look, we had back-to-back quarterbacks, number one picks in the draft. Ty, your thoughts? Yeah, so, hello, everyone. I'm actually recording live from uh, Norman. Um, oh, no. And, and uh, fun fact for our podcast listeners, but um, I, I kind of I kind of concur with Jameson. So, I, I and I've... I've been vocal about this. I, I'd love to toot my own horn about this fact. I've been, since before he left, saying that there has been a decline uh, in sort of performance from Stoops to Riley. Obviously, there's some natural oscillations in in sort of performance, but I, I think at the most realistic ex- estimation is that on-the-field performance sort of maintained. There, Statistically, there is, you know, a, a decline there, uh, and who knows that may have been more pronounced as, as time went on. But I concur with Jameson that we are. He, I think he left us in a better position than he he got us because, um, he he sort of reinvigorated the the recruiting and the reputation, like Jameson mentioned. So the on the field performance was broadly the same either way, uh, but coming in and, and sort of reinvigorating that uh, image of Oklahoma. And, you know, it's, I don't think it's maybe necessarily just him because there was a lot of other non-head coach things that occurred uh, in his tenure, such as facilities, renovations, and, and all sorts of other things that all play into that, you know, that, that were initiated under Stoops. 
So I'm not sure who you want to credit for those things because the head coach, you know, those are occurring regardless of, of who the coach is. But I, I think we are in a better position than we were when he took over. And I think, you know, the rose-colored glasses will continue to get rosier as, as time goes on, especially when he just absolutely bombs at USC and is abysmal and then we don't feel as bad. Yeah, I'll, it, it's tricky because I'll put it this way. I, I, I feel like it, it's a different question if you consider him, you know, when, when he entered OU as OC, absolutely, without a doubt, revitalized that offense, revitalized a program that was really very close to, you know, becoming, you know, a second tier in its own conference. Um, you know, and, and then a, a, as a head coach, did do a lot to build recruiting, did do a lot to, you know, add a lot of shine, even though things went poorly on a lot of ends, you know, strength and conditioning, as we've talked about ad nauseum, um, you know, complacency. There, there were, there were not, he was not a perfect head coach by any means, but at the end of the day, what he left um, was clearly good enough for him to attempt to try to nuke and then pilfer whatever he left to USC. Um, he built something off the back of what, what uh, Bob Stoops did, ran with it, modernized it. In some ways didn't do it great, but it was something where, you know, Look, the program took a, a, as big of a hit as it did, but also had, um, you know, the, the the ability of Brent Venables to really scrape it together and still have it stand on on what it is for that recruiting class to stand up as it is. Um, I I think I think we're in a better place than we were in uh, 2017, um, just just in terms of the type of guys we had. Uh, in terms of you know the prestige, the bigger names out there, obviously adding two Heisman winners, the playoff prestige, all of that's huge. Um, he just wasn't the guy to get us over that that kind of final hump, I don't think. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The jury's still out, but let's let's go ahead dive into uh, Lincoln Riley's career, and, and let's just start with this, Jameson. In your mind, what was the best game? of the Lincoln Riley era. And so this is kind of personal experience too, because you got to kind of think of how was it as a fan and how great did it feel after the game? And since I went to the majority of these big time games and home games, I think it's the Ohio state plant, the flag Baker, even though it wasn't a postseason you won, the feeling after that was absolutely wild. And yes, Baker planting the flag, some people would be like, oh yeah, it was bad sportsmanship, blah, blah, blah. But it felt great at the time. It, it was it was such a great game. And if come, overcoming adversity of them beating us that year before, you know, was great. Yeah, because the not, that, that's mine as well. I think it's the easy, easy number one in my mind. Um I think you could argue Lincoln peaked after this. Uh, it, it, it was an immaculate offensive performance. The team came out ready, fired up. And, you know, honestly, like, after the just total shit show we saw in Norman the year before, where you got blown off the field, uh, they, they looked less motivated. They looked scared. They looked just kind of shrank away from that challenge. To have them go in, beat Ohio State in Columbus, it, it was a real moment that it's like, this team is here. They're for real. Um, just truly it, it, just incredible stuff. Um, but yeah, Jameson, I, I think he kind of peaked after that. If you really think about it, I, I don't think there's a single win outside of, like that topped Ohio state. Now, some of that has to do with opponents, whatever. Um, 
you know, obviously he had his moments in playoff games that he just didn't get, but Ohio State, that that was the moment that all of us were believing for sure. Well, yeah, um, yeah, that definitely was a peak because if you look 2017, that was the season for us. Obviously, our other the season that was supposed to be great was this last season. We saw how that like you know panned out with Spencer Rattler flopping and Lincoln Riley having a foot out the door. But 2017 was the other season. You know that was Baker's season to get the go crazy. You know the amount of like pieces that we had around him. You know this was that was the year for us looking in retrospect to do well. And Ohio State in the second game of the season coming out and winning the game that we were worried about the most obviously was a huge feather in our cap. Ty, I'm going get to you, get to you in a second, but Jameson, yeah. I want to ask, did you think we had a chance of winning when you packed up your car to head to Columbus? Because I kind of didn't, but I was excited anyways. Uh, we kind of, I, I, I felt like I was driving, we were dr- like, me and my group were driving into like the jaws of death, but we still didn't care. We were there to watch OU Ohio State. We were hype. Um, were you optimistic at all going into this? I was mildly optimistic. Um, obviously, I was a little bit worried. You know, Ohio State had a good team. They are number two in the nation at that time. But they weren't, like, unbeatable. You know, JT Barrett, good quarterback. But I'm not like, oh, I'm shaking in my boots. It's JT Barrett on the other side of the ball. Much better <laughs> Ohio State quarterbacks have gone through. You know, you know, J.K. Dobbins was good at running back. But, you know, the same thing, like, they had a really good, solid team with a lot of good weapons. I think Paris Campbell was the wide receiver, too. That was really good for him. Um, but no guys, I was like, okay, this guy I'm really worried about. Saying like that Georgia game later that year, I'm like, oh, gosh, Nick Chubb is going to work us. And I'm so worried about Nick Chubb. With with well, the Ohio State team, they just had a lot of solid players. But I wasn't like, oh, this guy's just going to beat us to a pulp. They were also, I think, really solid defensively. You know, you had uh, Denzel Ward out there. You had uh, mm-hmm. Bosa, um, the less good Bosa. So, I mean, I yeah, know. it was They're pretty comparable now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They're pretty good. That, that, that's a good point. I'll take that back. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it was it, it just felt like for me, it was my favorite OU football game of all time, uh, without a doubt. And, you know, even though I'm pissed at Lincoln, even though I, I, I still hate the move. He did kind of give us, you know, one of the one of my favorite OU football memories. So I kind of I appreciate him for that one. Um, my my favorite thing he did in that, maybe not favorite, but one of the funnier dumb things is him constantly putting out Kyler Murray and uh, faking a Baker Mayfield injury. That was always funny. But uh, Ty, your favorite OU or uh, OU game under Lincoln Riley and why? Yeah, so that I gotta say that that is a really really good one that, that you guys brought out. Um, not even to be different, uh, I I sort of had this one pegged from the start, and a lot of people right away I think are are gonna know it. It's an iconic college football game, uh, especially now. And we'll just start. It, the date was October twenty second, twenty sixteen. Hey, most people should know already. Week eight, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. That is just an iconic matchup, and it's I, I love the absolute, just the shootouts. I, I love the just, you know, you know, straight to the wall, like we're going to go all out. Like it, <laughs> there, there was defense being played, but like Patrick Mahomes had 89 attempts and like 730-something yards. 
Baker, much fewer attempts. We were a much better rounded team offensively. That's why we ended up carrying the day, but just so many records set 78 first downs across the teams. And there would have been more, but there were just so many explosive plays too. I I don't have it uh, pulled up. It just came to me as I'm talking. I should have researched how many 20 plus yard plays there were in that game. It just seemed, it was like, watching a a highlight reel but it was a game and i know there's a lot of people that hate those games that hate those uh you know we'll call it a no defense game and just hate those like the offense just everything they're doing is working and it's just you know almost like a like a pk shootout in touchdown form and but i love it and i think it perfectly encapsulates the, the sort of the Lincoln Riley era, because that's what we were known for is, hey, we're going to take Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts out of here, and we're just going to try to gun it. And, and you know, the defense, I guess they come out, well, with Lincoln Riley, they came out three-fourths of the time because we couldn't get anyone off the field. But, you know, we're going to throw the, de- the defense, whatever. The defense exists just to give us a commercial break for our quarterback to rest up so we can just continue to do – just the wildest, most novel, most gimmicky, or whatever you want to call it stuff. But that that OU Texas Tech game to me uh, is is got to be my my favorite. Had I gone to the Ohio State game, like like y'all got to, you know, who knows? That one was super special. There's so many. There were a lot of super special, uh, super neat games. But but that one to me, and uh, as it continues to be sort of relevant as those two guys, you know, uh, Mahomes and Baker are, are starting QBs and and have. You know, the NFL is doing their best to kind of promote that as sort of a rivalry when they play. Uh, obviously, the teams are a little mismatched. But but to me, that that 2016 OU Texas Tech, uh, it's, I, I go back and watch the highlights from that sometimes. So it's it, I love that game. I'll put it this way. I think that game is one of the rare football games that was way more enjoyable to rewatch or to watch from home than it was to actually be there. Uh, I was up there. One of the worst games I've ever been at. I hated watching that. It was kind of foggy, uh, wasn't it? It was foggy, and if you've ever been to Jones AT and T Stadium in Lubbock, uh, at the specifically in the OU section, um, the up they, they stick you in the upper deck in the corner behind the only video board in the entire stadium. So you have no video. You have no replay whatsoever uh, because there's only one video board. The, re- the other one is this rickety old double T, like, analog, you like know, crappy. School. Yeah, like a high school video, like, scoreboard. So you can't see what's going on. Uh, me and a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, to- uh, Thomas Barrett, we're, we're up there. People were trying to fight us. It was just a total, even in the OU section, a total disaster. <laughs> the other OU fans are trying to fight you? There were just these <laughs> random locals who were trying to pose as OU fans. It was awful. Um, but, you know, it, in retrospect, it was like, that is a historic moment. You know, Baker Mayfield threw for 545 yards. Joe Mixon ran on, for two. Yeah. Yeah, on, Baker on, on not that many attempts, 36 attempts for yeah, like he was averaging 15 yards per <laughs> attempt, which is seven, crazy on 36 attempts. Seven touchdowns. Joe Mixon ran for uh 260, uh 263, and then uh chipped in 114 through the air or like uh, from receiving. I just it was a it was just a total mess of a game, and you know, we're not even going to talk about Mahomes and his 734 passing yards, just um. A nightmare to be uh, Mike Soups for sure, but uh, 
I agree. That that is definitely one of the more memorable ones. Even though he was, you know, OC at the time, obviously. Just um what a game. And it was Baker's return to tech. His only his only uh game in Lubbock as a as a sooner, so just what as a whole, just um super yeah, kinda, memorable. Kind of horrible. Yeah. No, it's okay. There are no we can make there there are arbitrary rules that we make we ourselves made, so yeah, we don't need to bend them. We can just say whatever we want, but yeah, yeah, that was a good one. So, couple, um, couple honorable mentions. Twenty seventeen TCU, I thought was excellent. Uh, both the game in Norman and the Big Twelve title uh, really showed up well. The twenty eighteen West Virginia game, Jameson, uh, that mm-hmm. insane Friday night in Morgantown. Uh, the two defensive touchdowns uh, saved our ass, and then uh, Big Twelve, uh, the Big Twelve title. Uh, with OU Texas, that redemption, um, really good pair of games for our first season of the Schooner Pod. Honestly, those those were fun to cover. What about the Baylor comeback? I was about to say 2019 Baylor comeback. Ty, you and I had a good time on that one. Yeah, uh, a, a forgotten part of that game: the return and the redemption of the Schooner. They they didn't do it fully, but they got his <laughs> his straight across you know run at 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 and T. I love OU games in AT&T, and yeah, shout out to the game planners. We're, we're talking about the 2019 uh, Big 12 championship here. Shout out to the planners for selling Baylor boxes right behind the OU student section. Recipe for disaster, but also a recipe for lifetime memories. So. I mean, incredible stuff. We witnessed, uh, just like we saw you know, in this year's Bedlam, how they picked up the personal foul. We witnessed someone like... We, we witnessed the security uh, people reverse an ejection. It was beautiful yeah, stuff. I, I, never in my life have I seen the police remove someone from an event and then while they were taking them out, have that person talk them out of it and allow them back into the venue. Legendary move. A- absolutely legendary, for sure. Uh, 2020 Cotton Bowl, have that on there. I thought that was his, you know, only good. It was his only bowl win, but it was, it was uh, great stuff. And then uh, 2021 Texas, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in depth. As we go on. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. No, 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 even better. Your 19-year-old point guard from Australia, he just got another triple-double. That type of good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, though, like Oklahoma, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So... Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
21 and up. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text to TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. But let's, we talked about the good, let's talk about the bad. This is something you all want to talk about for sure because it's very fun. Um, oh boy, there, there is some bad to po- uh, poke through. A lot of the bad is very similar. Jameson, what is your worst Lincoln Riley era game. This is hard for me because taking it at the definition of the worst Lincoln Riley era game is 2017 Iowa State. But what was the worst for me? It's got to be 2019 LSU. Even though we had Jalen Hurts, that game hurt so bad. I understand. I'm taking a lot of this from personal experience. Another game that I was at. Every single time in the damn Peach Bowl that Joe Burrow threw a touchdown, they had this train horn go, and I'm like <laughs> sitting there after like touchdown six, and just like just palms in face, like oh my god, if I hear another train freaking horn, but guess what? Sixty three points, nine touchdowns. I heard that that horn nine times for LSU, and it sucked. But there are so many bad games that we can talk about, too. But that one, obviously, I felt the most pain for it. LSU was awful. I, w- I was there as well. Uh, I I, I got to say, right after the um, the C.D. Lamb almost touchdown, um, I did yell at a bunch of LSU fans. I was like, oh, y'all thought it was going to be easy, didn't you? And then um, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was so easy but but look i'll put it this way i we all expected to lose that game going into it um just just in a, a, with the suspensions you know to to that's why that's yeah why yeah exactly I mean, it was just, it overall for, it was like the worst had it game. not been for so those much suspensions pain. we would have blown them out oh, we, tra- trajan bridges at safety would have came in and knocked people out <laughs> <laughs> hey buki hey buki did his best he, he kind of he knocked himself he out but you would have metaphorically <laughs> metaphorically pistol whipped them oh no yeah no it was um that was a bad game, but my my thing with Lincoln and my worst memories of Lincoln are the games where we had leads and just pissed them away to to just crap crap opponents. Uh, it, it's it's hard to pick just one, but you know Iowa State twenty seventeen was kind of that first moment where it's like what the hell's going on? Uh, we had a really big lead uh, with Baker and crew. All the all Crimson Rough Riders is what everyone blamed it on, but you know honestly. The fact that they gave up that lead and blew it, um, just, just completely unacceptable um, to me. But you know, it, you look, you, you take that one. You can apply the exact same thing to Kansas State in 2019, Kansas State in 2020, for example. Uh, it, it just unexcusable, unacceptable. You know, performances up big. Those are those for me are are it, but. Um, I don't know. The, the one that will stick with me, it, it, and it was an all-time classic. It wasn't the worst loss by, like, it, it, by in terms of, like, deficit. 
I, I'll never get over that Rose Bowl. That was unacceptable to me. Um, I I just always always in my mind will be will be really tough. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll take it back. I'm gonna go Iowa State 2017. That's the worst one because it also gave us Matt Campbell forever. So. Yeah, by the definition, by far the worst one. Like, the whole game of how it played out. It was very painful afterwards, but it, obviously we still recovered. So I, I can push that to the back of the list. But at the time, it felt miserable. Yeah, absolutely. Because most of those we did recover from and win a Big 12. But Ty, what what, what is uh, your bottom, what is your least favorite yeah. uh, win? So for me, I, the, way, the way I'm looking at it, and this is going to explain my answer, is there was a lot of very disappointing performances. Uh, but for me, and, and the way I'm looking at it, it's what was on the line, uh, but also what sort of what could have been and, and you know, sort of foreshadowing. I think we're going to get into a, what could have been here in, in a few minutes. But I, Jameson talks about, you know, he talked about that, that uh, OU LSU playoff game. And, you know, like we all said, there wasn't really a realistic expectation of, of OU winning. So while a national playoff or a national championship, you know, slot was at stake there, which is the most that's been at stake in the Lincoln Riley era, uh, it's not realistic to say that it could have been. And, and that kind of leads me to mine. And, and Bobby, you kind of touched on it. It's that 2017 OU versus Georgia Rose Bowl, because I feel like that one, you know, the most that's ever been on the line under Lincoln Riley, which is a seat in the national championship and two, we very much could have, and, and most probably should have won that game. And, and to me, that's what makes that one uh, the most crushing. I understand there were more disappointing, you know, cause, cause that was, I, I don't even recall. We may have actually even been the underdog there uh, going into that game. I know there were a lot worse performances against double digit underdogs and other things in the regular season, and I'm a big proponent of things are always at stake every game. But that OU Georgia game, that was sort of our, you know, that 2017 OU team. It's just everything. We were an underdog. It just it felt it was peak Baker Mayfield. And it's what will always stick with me as the quintessential Lincoln Riley season at OU is that 2017 season. In uh, that game that I firmly believe we we very easily could have won. Uh, obviously Kirby Smart is is no slouch. We've seen that this past year, and and uh, <laughs> my boy Jake Fromm, uh, and then also uh, you know Nick Chubb, who's playing alongside Baker now, and and a whole host of other really great players that Georgia had. Uh, and I don't think we would have won the national championship, but for me that was just that was the most crushing one because I really felt like um, that was the one that we were going to, we should have gotten a playoff win. We were going to get it. You know, we were there. And and then that's what makes it to me uh, just as another quintessential Lincoln Riley thing is whenever during the game and whenever you watch it back, the one thing that everyone points to, and I don't think it's unfair at all. I think it's very realistic, very accurate as everyone points to the Lincoln Riley play calling is what lost us that game when we got up. And then with an absurd amount of time on the clock and an absurd an absurdly small lead for as conservative as, as we were playing. Um, yeah. So that was, that, that to me is, it was the most crushing one. I know it was crushing for you, but Bobby, you and I watched it together. Um, actually yeah. it was just us, just us. And our, 
it was our, uh, significant others. Uh, we, it, I think we got and Blake by a lot of people and Blake. Uh, Bla- Blake was <laughs> Blake, Blake was also Blake, there, yeah. and he loved every minute of it. Because uh, every guys single time, he probably went, "Come on, come on, come on, come on!" <laughs> oh yeah, no, he was he was bad. loving the melt. I mean, just think about how fun that first half was. We were riding. We were doing great. The offense was clicking. You know, Baker ran the Philly special before the Philly special was a thing. It was just, it was beautiful. And then, and then that damn squib kick, you know, it, it was all decision-making. It was all conservative bullshit. Um, you know, the, the, the squib kick is what a lot of people focus on, but really it was like, it was the first part of what went wrong. Um, that second half, the the offensive play calling was so pedantic. Uh, Georgia was able to get all of that momentum back. Um, and, you know, and then you go to overtime, you know, you, you, you know, fourth and one, um, taking that field goal instead of trying to go get that extra yard and try to, you know, really put your, you know, foot on their throats. Uh, I, I feel like that is probably a mistake that the whole you, you can't win football games being patient, being cautious. You can't win championships. You can't win playoff games like that. It just doesn't work. And um, Not in college. Not and of course, in college. no. In the it, NFL, maybe you get up that much at, at that time and, and can start to be conservative, but not not in college. Not that year. Not not when you're the underdog that's relying on just chippiness and, and everything else. We have a, yeah. we have a viewer comment by, by Pump Your Breaks here that Bobby threw up. Would Lincoln Riley be our head coach if we won the 2018 Rose Bowl? Uh, I don't think so. I think Lincoln Riley got addicted to losing in the Rose Bowl uh, stadium, and that's why he went to USC, where he can lose there more frequently. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say this, and it kind of leads into you know what if of you know what if you know we don't squib. What if we what if we get that win? Yeah, Do, I, I I think we win the national title. Because no. we're, we would be just bad All enough. Right. <laughs> Here's the thing. We would have won the national title because we would have been just bad enough where Alabama keeps Jalen Hurts in. And be- Jalen Hurts' Bama was a very beatable Bama. Now, to a Bama, that's not a beatable Bama. Um, but I think OU found, would, would have found a way to get that win there. Um, and to kind of answer, you know, Pump Your Blake's question here. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I don't think I, he he probably would have been been gone to the NFL by then for sure. I would say, but um, I, I at, at some point I, I he would have tried to run it back. He'd be at the um, but he I, I think you'd see him as the Cowboys head coach instead of Mike McCarthy is my guess. Or you know out in Arizona instead of Cliff Kingsbury. I I don't know. Jameson, what's your take on that? I, I, I agree. I think if Lincoln had more success earlier in his career, he would have moved on just around the same timeline or maybe even a little earlier to the NFL. Because obviously making the move from USC to OU shows that he has higher thoughts of what he can do. And we've always heard the rumors over and over that he's got pro on his mind. And most coaches do. Um, there's few rare breeds that just stick with college their whole career, but it burns you out. And recruiting is fun when you're young, but you know, it's hard to stick with throughout. It's, you know, they always say 24, seven, 365 NFL. You can take breaks. College, you can't even during the dead periods. You can't take a break. So honestly, being a college head football coach would be absolutely exhausting. You're trying to find a way to get a big paycheck in the NFL. Always be the for sure, for sure. And, you know, 
Pump your Blakes. By the way, he, you know, we, we, we're in the same little Twitter group, you know, a uh, little DM thing. We this He actually kind of had a really good idea to do this, so shout out to him for that. Um, but I also want to give him a, a shout out here for a, another good one. What is the worst win we had uh, that we had no business winning to basically Tulane 2021? We always should have won Tulane. It shouldn't have been that close. Um, the worst win in the Lincoln Riley era has to be Kansas. We almost lost to Kansas this year in 2021. It, that is the most ridiculous preventable game I've seen in my life. We, we railed on it whenever it came up. Um, and, you know, to, to have him immediately go into the whole, you know, we're close, we're close, all that, you know, it, it really makes you think, like, you know, this this guy might not have been the killer we need. You have to be a killer. Jameson, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I think that's the obvious answer. I mean, you can talk about Army in 2018, but, like, that was a good team, and they played us really well. Um, so it's, we obviously had our faults during that game, but I mean, that was another disappointing squeak out win, uh, that seemed to happen a lot during this era. Um, you know, here and there, um, we had just kind of weird big 12 games that kind of all blend together in my brain. Um, but Kansas, I think by far is the easiest answer to that one. You, you could honestly go with like half of the 2021 schedule, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I one I really didn't like. I I was not a big fan of uh, Bedlam twenty eighteen when Corn Dog almost beat us. I hate, <laughs> yes, I, that's that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> I, I miss Corn no, Dog. Our our guy nineteen eighty two Boomer Sooner was uh was was big on it, but it was it, it was an epic game. Don't get me wrong, but man, I after the amount of trash you and I talked on Corn Dog that season of of the Schooner Pod, I, I was so mad that it got as close as it did for sure. Um, but yeah, no, 2018 army sucked, especially cause half of the people watching it, uh, were watching it through, uh, Periscope and someone's, you know, they're, they're watching the game. Someone was recorded on, on their phone with someone's was, foot yeah. in the I background. The yeah. Switch, yeah. Or maybe it was Periscope. That's how what I was watched the, it. What, what was the one recording? I don't know if it was OU football. It might've been like a UFC fight or they're watching. I think it was the Conor McGregor fight or something where they're watching through the reflection of some dude's glasses. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a UFC thing. Oh my god, that's so bad. That's so for, bad. Uh, for mine, I, I do... I There's a lot of... Um, 2017 Red River comes to mind, right? Because I think Texas was unranked even. And we, I understand, you know throw the book out, throw the records out, throw the rankings out for that game. But that, that one was, was pretty disappointing. And, and I love honestly, probably in the off season, cause we're kind of struggling for content here and there, a uh, Sam Ellinger versus OU. I know it's weird to sort of base something around uh, an opposing player, but just Sam Ellinger was sort of the, the ultimate villain for the Lincoln Riley era. And I, I Sam Ellinger versus OU, the sort of, series uh would be a great uh podcast segment uh, that one comes to mind but i did i i gotta say it's army because in in the grand scheme of things right that was army i think they lost two games that year so ou won and we didn't really do anything with that win right it was it was almost insignificant it was held against us even the fact that we won it was still held against us and it was early enough in the season i feel like we could have lost it and it wouldn't really have impacted OU season at all. I really don't. I really think OU could have lost that game and ended up in the exact same spot as they did. But had Army won, 
it would have been a game changer because you're who knows like the the butterfly effect for army you're talking about a one loss army maybe even an undefeated army that year they were legitimately good that year and i think that one is the worst ou win because i don't want to root against ou i'm a known service academy guy but i'm a a diehard Navy fan. So I like, you won't catch me rooting for army uh, almost ever, but I, I really think had army won that one and OU lost it, it wouldn't have impacted OU at all. And it would have made a world of difference for army. And it would have been a legendary season. You know, who knows what could happen there because that team was so good and so novel in their approach and their, their ball control and their time of possession dominance that, who knows what could have happened there. So for me, that's the worst one. And that kind of bleeds into what could have been as well. Uh, and it's not even OU centric, but I, that's the worst loss. Cause I don't think it impacted. OU got hurt by winning that one just cause it was so poor. So I, mm-hmm. to me, the army one is, is the one that sticks out. Yeah. I think, I think the army one was, but that was such a good team. Let's, that Texas game, I think was a pretty good point for this question. We were up 20 to zero. Y'all remember we we're up 20 to zero in the second quarter on top of the world. Come around the fourth quarter, we're losing. We're losing after being up twenty to zero in a Red River rivalry. Come that, on, that was an awful one. And um, we we I know we've mostly been talking about head coaching Lincoln Riley moments, but uh, nineteen eighty two Boomer Sooner in the comments here on YouTube. Check us out live if you're watching on Spotify. By the way, um, brought up twenty fifteen Texas. They were one in four. That was one of the – that was awful. That If we're talking coordinators yeah. like Lincoln, that was truly probably the worst Lincoln game by far. Um, anyways, that's that's all we kind of have for the worst. But, you know, here's a, let, let's, let's ask about this because we have the best, we have the worst, but what game brought both of them together? And if you had to pick one game that really summarized the Lincoln-Riley at OU experience, what would it be? Jameson? Ooh, do I want to take a positive or negative angle? Because to be completely honest with you, I had written down some negative stuff beforehand. You know, talking about blown leads and underperforming on the big stage. But also, you know, there's a lot of good positive moments. We talk about there's a lot of moments where we came back and had big wins, and we kind of already talked about it. But putting it all, you know, like a bow, like on everything, uh, the most like stereotypical prototype um, Lincoln Riley game. I think was Alabama 2018 Orange Bowl. And this is why. Because we had a very talented team. We had a Heisman quarterback that was the talk of the nation. You know, Kyler Murray, one of the most athletic quarterbacks or players to ever step foot on a college football field. But then whenever we go up against the big dogs in SEC Alabama, we just get manhandled. We have no chance. Even though we had all these skill players, all this clout, all of this, you know, people talking about Lincoln Riley and his offensive system in the news. We go and get humbled by a team like Alabama who has big guys who have a good strength and conditioning um, program as well as recruit big 300-plus pounders uh, on that line that can just bully us the whole time. So I think by far that is the definition of Lincoln Riley of all clout the whole season with Kyler Murray, Heisman, back-to-back, great offensive system. But whenever it comes down to the big game, um, you get humbled really quickly. Well, going down quick and then having to scrap your way back and try to figure things out, but it that not wasn't being even, enough. But the scrapping was just – I feel like Alabama just was kind of letting off the like the gas. Like you could see it clearly. Like us getting back into that game and, and we weren't back in the game, but like scoring more points in the game 
was feeling like like oh thank you Alabama we that was nice it's, I didn't feel like we earned it. it. It's almost like you know like the allegory of the cave. Like it's like yeah we we're, we're we're keeping it close. We're fighting our way back. But you know at any time Tua can go down and just like go in and just drop it on you. Just you know it, we we were never really that close um, because the defense was bad. Because there's nothing we could have done about that defense in that moment. So I, I, I like that. It's probably not mine. Um, but uh, Ty, what would you say is the one game that really, I don't know, summarized the Lincoln-Riley experience at OU? Yeah, so I, I really feel like, and, and I feel like this one is is pretty off the wall, and I didn't necessarily do that on purpose, but I, I feel like it, it encapsulates the the good and the bad. So the, the good is the just ridiculously explosive offensive performance and then the bad is just why are these people hanging with us why can't we put this team away why are we letting this team score so much on us and and i feel like that represents or or that could describe so many lincoln riley ou games uh which is why i think this is going to be completely off the wall and you could almost pick one at random and and produce this Uh, so for me not necessarily at random, but I I got to go with, and I know this is a super, super weird one, 2018 OU at West Virginia. West Virginia was a, a ranked team. They were, I think, 12 in this game. Uh, we ended up winning 59 to 56. We were we were at six coming into it. And it was just a, a wild game. It was 14-14 in the first half. We got 21. They got 14. In the second, OU, even under Bob Stoops, no matter who the OC is, Lincoln Riley as a head coach, as an OC, whatever, OU for some reason is cursed in the third quarter. We never outscore anyone in the third quarter, it seems like. Uh, and then we cleaned it back up in, in the fourth and, and took the win. And it was a Kyler Murray game. He was 20 for 27, uh, four touchdowns for, for 360-something yards. Just a stereotypical Lincoln Riley game. And, and I feel like there were so many uh, games that just could have fit the the bill that I described. Explosive offense, neat plays, high scoring, but also I, I think West Virginia was a little overranked coming into that one uh, for sure. I, I know on the on the uh, the rankings alone, it looks like it was a not that mismatch of a game, but I feel like there's so many. But but to me, that one uh, for some reason I just have memories of of watching that game and you know. Kyler Murray is always fun to watch, and and that to me, I, I think there are so many you could pick, but I think it's it's really funny that you can just sort of pull from a hat, and and almost all of them will be a stereotypical Lincoln Riley OU experience. Obviously, we also I don't want to denigrate it and say that we didn't have our ridiculous blowouts because we did uh, here and there, but but to me that one, both teams scoring in the in the fifties. Uh, and I alluded to that earlier. I love I love the shootouts, but yeah, 2018 OU West Virginia. That I mean, legendary night for OU. I loved it. Um, I I can't say it summarized OU because we did have two defensive touchdowns, and that was a bit of a rarity. But I'll put it I'll, here. Here's mine, and I I really liked Pumpier Blake's what he had to say here um, as well about 2020. His quintessential one is 2020 um, with that insane, you know, back and forth, blown lead. Mine is also at OU Texas. Now, entering this, mine was going to actually be OU Texas 2021 um, because you had that deep hole that we crawled our way back from 
and you got the happy ending at the end. You know, um, just a legendary game. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like if we're really summarizing Leak and Riley, it's got to be 2018. Again, 2018, you know, all three of us have uh, picked games from that year. But um, the 2018 Texas game where, you know, it starts out kind of close, you know, maybe not really. And then uh, Texas goes on a run. OU's dead in the water. And then Kyler Murray, you know, the, the skill, the ability of that, uh, uh, of, you know, truly one of our best players ever, you know, brings us back from the dead. But at the end, it's not enough. And we get Dicker the kickered. And it it, it, it it sums so much up. Think about how many seasons we've had where, you, you know, we, we wait to do our homework. We get halfway through and we're down. We try to make a miraculous rush back. But at the end, it's just not enough. That is, that is Lincoln Riley. That is OU in a nutshell. It was flashy. It was incredible. It was wonderful. Uh, there were times where we were down bad, but we scraped our way back. But the very end, they just didn't have enough to finish the job. And... Um, that was 2018. Uh, that was 2018 OU Texas, without a doubt. And, you know, um, maybe if, if Lincoln left, you know, on a high note, it would have been, you know, th- this past year's OU Texas. But at the end of the day, the, the Lincoln-Riley chapter, it, it will it will never have a good ending. We're never going to look back fondly on it. It's it's not... I, 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 God bless Switzer for all, for all he did, even though he, he left on a bad... On a really bad note, uh, you know, having your starting quarterback arrested for, you know, slinging cocaine, not great. But at the end of the day, he he wanted to do what he could do for OU and did the best for OU, and we welcomed him back. Lincoln tried to burn this thing down. It's probably not going to be, his exit's never going to be remembered fondly. Um, and that's just kind of a fact, but... Um, yeah, if we take a well, look at the, yeah. the whole career, it's OU Texas 2018 for me. But anyways. Leaving leaving to go to the Cowboys, which a lot of Sooner fans are, are Cowboys fans, and then winning a Super Bowl there and then retiring is, is very different than leaving midseason to go to another college job. He could have, hey, he could have taken a way better path there, but. Okay, we're going to touch on uh, a couple of our favorite players. We've talked a lot about Lincoln season seasons games but uh i wanted i wanted to uh kind of delve into players just really quick touch on it um if this was <laughs> ty just for, for all the podcast listeners ty just threw up the uh i am basketball i guess he's watching live you know you can't miss yeah, that it's college basketball dude. i get hey it's march man you, you can't miss yeah, that so if this was uh if this was a bill simmons rewatchable this would be the Dion waiters award for like you know, the player who just came out of nowhere, delivered a great performance, you know, kind of not the best player, not the MVP, but he showed up and had a sneaky big impact. Um, and uh, maybe we named the award after whoever you pick here. But Jameson, who's that for you? Yeah, um, I kind of think about with this, I had to think about it for a little bit. OU, you know, has like a history of having big time players coming in. They had a lot of clout and then. Um, obviously didn't do really well throughout the season, but then had some big moments and honestly were huge leaders for this team. You know, five-star, um, you know, player coming out of California. We really didn't think he was going to do much for this team. But then Buki, Buki was the star. He was the Dion Waiters. Man, oh, no. He had so many big moments that shaped this Oklahoma team. All the fond memories. 
negative and positive. What few positive we had about Buki. You know, they resonate with us when it comes down to OU football. I couldn't stop thinking about him. I tried to think of somebody else whenever I was thinking about, you know, the couple years that he played here. But I kept thinking, oh, remember that boneheaded hit that he had versus LSU? Remember that trash talking he had? And what was it, Lubbock? Um, let's uh, think about all Do you remember, the stupid plays that he made. And I couldn't stop Do you remember the sledgehammer? Do you remember the yes, sledgehammer? Of course I what was it? Was it, a, was it a pick or was it a scoop? where he got, like, a wide-open either pick or fumble recovery, and he could have taken it all the way and then just complete no one around him. It was at OU, like, week, like, two or three, and he fumbled it, like, at, like, the 20-yard line out of bounds. I think, was yes. that Kansas uh, last year or? Something like that. It, it, I think I Kansas, know, he, yeah, Kansas, he had it stripped. Year before. Yeah. We're, he got, we're like, a, there was one where he had a wide-open touchdown and then just celebrated at like the 20 and dropped it it was yes i remember that that's a great yes. pick. he fumbled it out of bounds yes i okay i kind of love how i was just kind of going with a wild card fun weird player my my pick was going to be dimitri flowers but i think jameson is really like i don't know re redefine this award because buki and <laughs> you Dion said Dion waiters. waiters is just perfect <laughs> i'm he buki is Dion waiters it that that is the best comparison I've heard in quite a while. I the Dion wow. Waiters uh, three point buzzer beater was the same thing as Brendan Riley Hiles uh, pick six was it versus TCU? Oh my god! Incredible, incredible! Like uh, oh yeah, Dion's a uh, uh, game winner against um, uh, I think it was Warriors, right? Yeah, it was. It was Vince, like their their mega team, and he did the little like crossed arms, and it's obviously like a huge gift nowadays. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he's a lot more lovable than Buki. I just wanted to say something about Buki. <laughs> I, Buki was fun, man. Um, but anyways, Ty, who, who's your pick? I, I love the Buki one because I feel like he is sort of the like a quintessential, like you're never going to forget uh, this guy in the Lincoln-Riley era. I, and I think I no one can live up to that one, right? Like that's almost, that's almost cheap. That's like, you know. You're trying to talk about like your your favorite NFL player, and you pick like Tom Brady or or something. I it, not to denigrate Jameson's pick. But Ooh, I, I thought I was going off the beaten path. I didn't pick a player no, that was like I oh, feel low like key good. Too, that's so that's too mainstream. You could never be. Oh, okay. You can never be a, a hipster. Uh, mine is very mainstream too, though, and I feel like it's quintessential Lincoln Riley because we're going with the offense, and we're going with a guy that it sort of came from nowhere, did really good, and then just like the quintessential Lincoln Riley team was super flashy right at the start. And then just pfft, nothing was produced. And then he just sort of disappeared, disappeared because he transferred. And that is Charleston Rambo. I feel like is just, I, there's so many other guys that you could pick, right? It, it, I think Buki is a really good one. And, and I don't think it's good to pick the guys that, that ended up going, you know, like, like the Heisman trophy winners or even like Hertz, like a lot of the quarterbacks, cd or even like hollywood brown like guys that were like actually you know legitimately like really good players and, and really good uh you know success stories however however you want to define it but i i love that i think charleston rambo because he just you know was super flashy had his moments and sort of rode on that i, I have this big conspiracy theory at, that you know longtime listeners will know right away about how in college especially being like a wr2 was a big advantage because teams don't always have a lot of good secondary players. Uh, so your best secondary is going to get matched with the best receiver, which 
for for Rambo was was usually uh, CD Lamb or always CD Lamb. Uh, so then you end up with some other guys that maybe aren't a perfect matchup, and you get your chance to to sort of have a breakout play here and there. And that's sort of all he was known for was just really good breakout plays, and then just no production uh, elsewhere. So for me, I got to go with Charleston Rambo just to sort of change it up and, and pick a lesser common player, but one that everybody should know. Charleston Rambo was like our next big wide receiver for like three years straight. And he never yeah. panned out. It was, and he's it like was a junior a now at Miami. He's still got like three, four years of eligibility. I don't somehow the COVID the COVID thing just made everything crazy with with that eligibility sort of skip he, year and then red shirt and still play four games type thing. Guys could have like seven year college careers now. Are, are you trying to play? Are you trying? Are you trying to tell me Miami has used COVID to their advantage somehow? Because uh, that does not sound like them one bit. Uh, anyways, like I, like I had kind of touched on earlier, mine's Dimitri Flower just because he was, he he was always there in like the moments where you needed him. He would pop up, you know, that, that Baylor 2017 game massive. Um, he, he scored, I believe, um, he was, I I believe he was on the receiving end of Baker Mayfield's last touchdown, uh, in that Rose Bowl even, um, and I, I just, I, I feel like he was like the perfect, like kind of, you know, never really going to be an NFL guy, never like your first option. But when you needed him, he was always there for you. He, he, he could, he could, he would be, qu- he could be quiet entire games, but other games, well, hell, like 2017 OSU, he was uh, a total legend. He was incredible. Um, he was one of the, the biggest reasons we won that other than Hollywood Brown, who was just, yeah, I mean, that was what a, what a game from him, but. Yeah, so mine's Dimitri Flowers. I loved I, I loved both of y'all's better though. I I do have to say uh, with with Dimitri Flowers because he he was a uh, a Stoops recruit, right? And then he played his first year under Stoops, I believe, right, as the head coach. I, I really see Flowers as, as sort of a continuation of the Stoops sort of fullback philosophy, which Lincoln Riley accentuated. So I guess that that proves your point. But he was he was almost like. Trey Millard and then improve all of Trey Millard's stats and employ him even better. And that was Dimitri Flowers. And to me, that's why I think he's, he's sort of a, a Stoops style guy. So shout out to Dimitri Flowers. I, I believe he goes to OU law now uh, after his, his, uh, you know, little NFL career. So he's, you know, he's doing good. Doing good. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Jeremiah Hall as well kind of continued that tradition as well. Yeah, yeah. So well, maybe yeah. it's oh, well, he's, he's probably Hall is probably, Hall is fully Lincoln. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, was but was but yeah, yeah. No, that that might have been a little cheap pick, but either way, no, I, think, I, I think that's a good one. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's, it works. But I, I think we definitely got to rename it the the Buki Award for honorable. You know, yeah, honorable mention I, for who? Ty. I, well, I was going to say honorable mention to to several tight ends you know, which is a sort of a, a quintessential Lincoln Riley thing. It seemed like we always had, um, you know, difficult endings for, for our guys, whether it be concussion protocols or, or uh, different, you know, all sorts of sorts of medical things, but the, the employment of tight ends uh, was a, an underappreciated thing that, that Riley brought uh, something that I think he did really well at the college level. And a lot of people don't do well, 
at sort of the blue blood college level or the the big yeah. top ten power five because there's so many other flashier players. The fun weird uh, little H back. Yeah, just, if you look like, at like the art of college football because in the NFL there's a lot of good. You know, you can point to well Mark Andrews for one. Um, really good tight ends that that are employed. You know, really well on their teams, but at the college level that tight end being employed as sort of an offensive weapon, not just a blocker, not just a, a player on the field is not something that you see with the level of mastery and artistry that Lincoln Riley did. Well, think about like, it. think about like Grant Calcaterra, Grant, Grant yeah. Calcaterra is, you know, he, he's one of those guys, like if he didn't, you know, get so many concussions, you know, that's, that, that is a hell of a tight end right there. And he was, I mean, he, he was great back then you know, as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Flowers hurdling Texas, wonderful. Um, the Millard uh, hurdle in twenty third. Uh, that was, I think, twenty twelve. Even better. I kind of love. I kind of love our fullbacks just like leaping over dudes, knocking them around, especially with Texas. But um, yeah, so I do not know where Jameson went. He just kind of ran away. Uh, wonderful stuff. So let's just let's uh, move on to our final topic of this. Uh, and it should be a, a relatively simple one. Player of the era. Um, I think it's probably one main guy, but we'll, th- this is this is going to be one of those topics where the honorable mentions are probably. More I, fun. I feel like this one. I, you guys know who I'm going to go with, but this one might be fractured for everyone. So yeah, I mean, it's probably Baker Mayfield. Obviously, he ushered him in. He was Lincoln's best, like biggest success across the board. I would say in terms of like the fact that he took a walk on and molded him into a number one pick it didn't matter what the hell he did in the NFL. That was still just a massive, massive win from Lincoln um, for sure. Uh, but um, Jameson, who who would you say the player of the era is? Are you with me on Baker? Yeah, it's Baker time and time again. It's the storyline um, coming from, you know, walk on and betting on yourself and winning the Heisman trophy and, making Lincoln who he is like Baker is Lincoln like Kyler Murray. Yes. He capped off the, you know, the back-to-back Heisman, the first round picks, but Baker and Lincoln are attached at the hip together and should always be in the same conversation. Every single time you talk about them, um, just because Lincoln's new scheme took college football by fire and it came out such a perfect time when Baker was coming through, won the quarterback job from Trevor Knight and then put him into, you know, the stratosphere of college football history of quarterbacks and what he did if getting like in the Heisman conversation for how many years he did um, and making a lot of wide receivers, a lot of money around him too. Uh, I, I, I think that we have had a lot of good players, but I, I don't even think this is an argument. Yeah, I, I think you could make an argument for like a Kyler or if you wanted to get really weird. I don't. That's like a year kind of a thing. Like it, Baker is a multiple year and turned around this team that was in a rut with Bob Stoops. We talk about Bob Stoops very highly because of what just happened. But we were in a massive rut with him. I was about and to Baker say that. I was about to say, if you want to get weird with it, you could say Creed Humphrey. OK, here he goes. I'm just saying. No, again, that's, you, not, that's not that weird. You know, it's not that weird. He was with him multiple yeah. years. Uh, but he was great, but his last season, great. Creed Humphrey. Let's not forget about Creed Humphrey in his last year as OU was supposed to be this stellar, like going to be top ten pick in the draft, and fell because he had an off year and missed a lot of things. When he started at OU, there was problems with him snapping because he was left handed. 
versus right-handed. That created some issues. He was not like a seamless, like when he went in, he was like a superstar. Like he had his rocky roads. And obviously Baker had that too. Um, but I, I obviously you're not going to argue Creed Humphrey versus Baker. But like Creed was not like all sunshines and rainbows. Yeah, that's, I, that is I, true. That is true. Go ahead, Ty. I'm like, sorry. Real we- quick, no, real quick. I, I do have to say, right, because Creed had a ton of potential, came in, sort of struggled, got really good. But I think his last year at OU, where he very much could have gone, and people were talking about top 10 period in the draft for him, and he said, no, I'm going to stay. I'm committed to this Oklahoma team and Lincoln Riley, uh, and then ended up being worse, you know, and cost himself potentially millions of dollars uh, in, in a lot of, you know, career stuff in the long run. I think the fact that he did that and stayed, the fact that he had a down year his last year at OU almost, I, I think, supports Bobby's case or whoever wants to argue that the Creed Humphrey OU case as as a player. I, he's not my player. Uh, I'll let you guys continue to take it. But I, I almost think that his down year supports the case of, of him being an, an OU guy through and through. And I'll... I'll, I'll... Yeah, I, I think he's definitely he, he deserves an honorary mention. But um, Ty, who is your number one guy? So my number one, right? You guys knew it was going to be it. Well, it's the best OU player currently playing in the NFL, not Gerald McCoy. <laughs> it's Baker Mayfield. Um, but oh boy! It, so here's the thing, right? And and I don't mean this to den- to denigrate Baker either, but Kyler Murray is such an athletic talent. I think. The year that he won the Heisman, you could have put him on all round it. We'll say 10 teams. I, I think there are 10 different teams, not necessarily the top 10 teams, but I think there are 10 different teams, Kyler Murray's Heisman year, that you could have put him on, and he still would have won the Heisman. And he still would have been electric, and he still potentially could have gone number one overall. Baker Mayfield, I think, and, and not to denigrate Baker, obviously I'm a giant Baker stan, but he – Everything came to – it was the perfect system, the perfect match with player and coach, and it just – everything lined up. And I I don't think – I think Jalen Hurts, obviously very good, came to us from Bama, made it to the Heisman ceremony with with, uh, Lincoln and, and, you know, Spencer and and Caleb this past year. But I, I don't think that Baker going to the Heisman ceremony twice, winning it once, I cannot think of anyone else in college football. Maybe some weird scenario with like Urban Meyer staying at Ohio State or, or something there. Maybe you could have built something there. But I, even Bama, Clemson, wherever else, I, it, you're not it, Baker. I don't think is going where he went without Lincoln Riley, and that he performed so well with Lincoln Riley. I think that 2017 team was the quintessential team. Um, a lot of people argue this. I think the 2017 OU team could have beaten any other Lincoln Riley OU team uh, in, like, say, you know, best out of 10 matchups. Uh, I know we don't do series in, in college football, but I, to me, it, it, Baker Mayfield is, is the quintessential one, but also I, the, the argument for best can be made. But he's if you had to pick one player to define the era – it's it's Baker, and I I think he was he was the one most tied to it and most not dependent on it. But I don't even know how to articulate what I'm saying. I hope you guys are. Yeah, okay. no, I I think it's I, I think understand. Got to be Baker. Yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. my thing. I I think that you are kind of hinting at you know like yeah he's the most quintessential, 
but Kyler, you know, might have been more talented. Let's reverse the rules. Put Kyler and have him come to OU instead of doing the BS at A&M. And he plays multiple years before a quarterback comes after him. And I think we talk about Kyler way differently in a higher, you know, standing than we would talk about Baker because he's that talented. The problem about Kyler, though, is what we don't remember a lot. We remember the ending of the season. He came through and won the Heisman. But at the beginning of the year, that first half season, we're not talking about the Heisman with him. He's turning the ball over left and right. Y'all remember the Texas game? Do you remember how bad of turnovers he made? We remember that awesome run that he had for a touchdown at the end of the fourth quarter to get us closer. But do you remember the stupid putting the ball into the dirt and fumbling it? Bad throws. Kyler had a huge turnover problem that whole year, and it came down to where it just looped around, and he won the Heisman kind of last second that year and kind of caught us all by surprise, like, holy shit, we're about to win back-to-back Heismans. This was not like a sign sealed deliver thing. Baker, on the what? other hand, was way different. It was it was definitely different, um, and you know Kyler did have his issues with you know kind of overly relying on you know you know predetermined reads you know who was going to be open that sort of stuff. Um, but you know if we want to talk about best most complete, I, I think he's up there. I will say one of the things I had written down on biggest what ifs uh, other Buki. than the squib. Please wh- say not Buki, no, no, no. <laughs> so one of the biggest what ifs. Please say GTY. Is... No, 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 no. GTY, obviously the uh, the MVP. One of the biggest what ifs for me is, uh, and people forget about this. The uh, Big Twelve changed their rules to allow Baker Mayfield to play in 2017. He was about to. They, they were not going to honor his uh, transfer situation, and um, he he almost lost a year of eligibility. Uh, in which case, we would have had Kyler Murray for 2017, and. I think it's a very fun what if to think about what the hell happens if we have Kyler Murray quarterbacking that 2017 team. Uh, I don't know if they're better. They might be better. Um, but I'll say this. I don't I don't think they win uh, in Columbus. Uh, that was all moxie. That was all experience. And uh, putting Kyler out there before that, I, I don't think they would have done that. I don't think they would, they would have made the Rose Bowl run. But that talent, it's hard to not be intrigued with what would have happened i think yeah i mean kyler had one year and he took over a team that was purpose built for baker pretty much i i think i i don't know if the modern era voters would have done it but i think there is a not unreasonable at all case to be made that kyler potentially could have been a back-to-back heisman winner had he gone straight to OU with, with Lincoln Riley. I mean, obviously that's a long shot, but I don't think, I think that it's not implausible that, that there was maybe something there. So who knows? And Well, I mean, we'll never know. It's, it's, yeah, a, the, it's a fun question yeah. for sure. But um, I got it. So pump your Blake's also brought up who's the best uh, defensive player of the era um, and brings up Kenneth Murray. It's pro. Probably right. I I I would say it, mm. it's probably K nine, um, not Buki. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts to say that. Here's my thing with Kenneth Murray. He played a lot early, but man, did he take a while to get to a form where he looked good. It was a slow and really headache of a progression. Yes, in his last season 
ended up being a first round pick was a great success in you know in tackling machine but man was he and he's having the problems right now in the pros like coming from a chargers fan like this guy is almost unplayable right now but he just goes up the wrong gaps he had a lot of problems it comes comes down to iq how about this how about nick benito i mean think about it you know the way he's played these past two and a half years um the way he played was there were not Baylor. a lot of low points, you know, Baylor there were a lot of high points and he has, yeah, a, yeah, exactly. He has more, he's a larger sample size of great plays under very, you know, you know, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this in good words. Like he did really well for a longer amount of time um, than Kenneth Murray did. Yeah. I, I mean, remember how much we ragged on him before the 2018, it was the 2018 preview, one of our first podcasts uh, we ever did, Jameson. We, we really went in on how he, like Kenneth Murray kind of needs to improve. He needs to be a guy mm-hmm. who steps up. He did. Absolutely. But, you know, uh, interesting, interesting. We're here. Wildcard Stephen Parker. That, that's interesting as well. That's a fun one, but uh, no. I think the thing, it's hard to be a safety and be, you know, a player of, you know, the era. You don't really talk about safeties that much in that light. You got to be, you know, a cornerback making big plays or you got to be like a pass rusher. Sneaky good one, Trey Brown. Sneaky good one, Trey Brown. Uh, Another guy that, that, that he, he, he went in, he was really good at the beginning and then played like dog doo-doo in the middle of his career and then ended up doing really well at the very end but we, we're, we're, we're remembering we're talking about their you're talking about like how they ended up here whenever we're talking about these defensive players but don't forget about the progression because the progression is a big deal these are seasons we're talking about when they were contributors to this team and trey brown he got burned all the time even though this guy's supposed to be a 4 kind of guy you know he bit way too much he got bullied from his size and then it ended up playing a lot better when it came down to man-to-man coverage and being a playmaker in his last season before he went to the draft. But another guy that didn't have a full complete season. Nick Benito, there's not – like I said, you can't really name too many weaknesses of him. He just came around the edge, made plays, forced fumbles, got caught whenever he was trying to get touchdowns. Like like he he did – honestly, I there's not many weaknesses you can say of that guy. I mean, if we're talking about most complete, absolutely is Benito. Um, if we're talking about flash and moments, I would say like, you, you're right. If we're going snap Trey by Brown. snap. Definitely, Brown's definitely not Trey Brown, moments. but yeah, run the rundown, the Ellinger sack, uh, the interception you know, in the OU Texas game. Yeah. I mean, the guy was electric. If he, if he played every, I, I think he had, did he have the, the pick at Iowa state? I think, um, if you put Maybe. that guy at AT&T stadium, he would be the best corner in the league. For sure. <laughs> only, he only he played only, at AT&T. He, he only really balled out at AT&T or at Dallas. The, the Cowboys need to sign that man. I, I, I tell yeah. you what. But, uh, Ty, who do you have as your favorite? So I, I think there, there are two answers here. Uh, one, how can you guys not mention Super Bowl champion Oboe? You know, he's been in the NFL since 2018. He's been on the injured reserve the whole time, but now he's got a ring. He's got as many rings as Patrick Mahomes uh, and fewer weird family members. So – Shout out to a uh, shout out to Obo, but yeah, you just threw it up. Uh, Caleb Kelly, who I was gonna say, uh, but I feel like Caleb Kelly it doesn't qualify here because he started playing under head coach Bob Stoops 
and then played the entire time and he was injured, but he was still on the team. He outlasted Lincoln Riley. He he he, he literally st- played under in a weird situation, but played under Bob Stoops as the head coach and then didn't play against Oregon, but was on the team as an injured player. His his he's the only guy that I can I did I was like furiously googling to try to come up with some um, to double check, but I th- I'm pretty sure he's the only defensive player that uh, playing lasted the entire Lincoln Riley um, tenure as a as a head coach. Actually, outlasted it. Uh, so, shout out to to Caleb Kelly. I don't, I don't you guys know I don't I don't have as much defensive me but I, I like the oboe thing i think oboe uh defensively at ou obviously he's had some troubles in the nfl you know and and i hope he can he can uh you know recover and sort of build a, a career there it's i know the average career is five years he's already at like three down so so who knows and, and persistent medical issues but yeah i i i like caleb kelly as a uh an answer too i've, I've been a big proponent of him for for his leadership I, on the field stats don't necessarily represent that, but that's not always, you know, it's a, it's a team sport. It's not, it's not a snowboard half pipe. It's not an individual performance. It's a, uh, it's a team sport. Sometimes a dude that doesn't necessarily play that much or, or have that many snaps uh, or that many, um, you know, highlight real moments can still have a big impact on, on your team's performance. So give me Caleb Kelly for being a through and through Oklahoma sooner. I, I think, that's getting rarer and rarer nowadays with players uh, and not to go on a big, you know, tangent here, but I, it, it's why I'm a big Baker guy too. Cause he's a diehard OU guy. You know, I, I know he went to tech first, but everybody knows the, the Baker Mayfield story. He's a diehard OU guy. And, and that's just the same thing with Caleb Kelly. He's a diehard loyal to OU no matter what guy. And, and that is, rare with not necessarily rare but it's becoming less common with with players nowadays uh with all the different stuff that's out there and and nationwide recruiting and everything else you you have guys that maybe aren't necessarily growing up as as ou fans uh but caleb kelly is a i think he's on ou staff now uh as a as a ga or, or something uh still working in in the athletic department he's graduated long ago so i i will always support the guy that is in Oklahoma Sooner, born and bred for life, no matter what, uh, over everything else. Again, shout out to Creed Humphrey. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. So, yeah. He's on the uh, Soul team, I believe, uh, which is like um, student athlete, um, you know, kind of enrichment. It's a new system uh, that uh, Brenton Venables is doing, and it's uh, mm. it's, it's going to be pretty cool. He, well, not exactly. Is cars. It? Well, cars. Money. I don't really know. Nobody really knows what the soul team does. I, I, I guess they're there to talk and hang out and be kind of like a student athlete liaison. So you never know. But um, yeah, he he does. He he has had a quite a quite an odyssey. And uh, as as uh, Pumpier Blakes in the comments said, this is actually known as the Caleb Ke- Kelly era now. So, anyways, we have kind of uh, gone on about this for a while, but I think we can finally put a wrap on the Lincoln Riley era. Um, not a bad coach composites, guys. This was fun. I, I had a good time. Uh, you know, if y'all like this, uh, let us know. We might do some more. You know, could be fun to look in the stoops. Could be fun to look in the Switzer. I would love to dig through the trash, you know, go into Gary Gibbs, Howard Schnellenberger, my guy Gomer Jones. I don't know. Could be fun. 
we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, if you like this podcast, we cover OU football the entire off season during the season, you name it. So make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher, wherever you get them, we're everywhere. Uh, if you like the audio version, that is, if you like the video version, if you want to chip in, if you want to, you want to make comments like pump your Blakes and, uh, you know, 1982, you know, subscribe to us on YouTube, watch the visuals, you get to, you can see, um, you know, my, my ugly face attempting to talk about football. It's great. But, um, yeah. So thank you all so much for uh, listening, for watching. We will see you next time. It's March Madness, so we'll probably do a lot of uh, basketball stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting month. Going to go on wedding hiatus for a bit. But uh, this is the part where I'd normally ask if Jameson and Ty had anything left to say, but they look very tired, so I'm just going to wrap this one up. Uh, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see you next time. Have a good one in Boomer Soup.